This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another Monday episode for your viewing pleasure. If you're an OG here, we love you, mean it. If you're new, every Monday, we generally talk about a week in review of the Washington Capitals, the league at large, and the other, other sort of cool news that revolves around hockey. And then on Thursday, I have an interview. This Thursday, I've got Griffin Youngs, who is the host of Tell It As It Is podcast, repping the Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. He is actually in the DMV area and a really big Caps fan. So uh, talking to him is awesome. i got to love talking to fellow Caps fans um, and podcast hosts. So tune into that as well. Uh, so lots of crazy stuff that happened this week as far as some returning players that you may or may not have heard of. If you haven't heard of them, I don't know what the hell you're doing listening to this podcast. But Nick Backstrom, Tom Wilson returned and uh, did pretty well, but we'll talk about it all once we pot some tabs and get into it. One, two, three. All right. But first, before we get into the Washington Capitals Let's talk about the World Juniors and how they wrapped up. The USA eventually won bronze over Sweden. I believe it was an OT game. We only won by one, but at least the Team USA Juniors do not return home empty-handed. Obviously, it wasn't the gold that we were always striving for, um, but hey, bronze is better than nothing, I guess. Canada, unfortunately, did go on to win gold, and Chechia uh, silver. So, you know, all things considered, a really strong showing for the two teams that didn't uh, win gold. And then there's Canada, who, you know, in international play, Canada should always be dominant. You know, it's the it's the birthplace, or at least like the the best hockey uh, country that there is, at least in modern times. Uh, Bedard was incredible. Um, you know, his interview was cool. He didn't really want to talk about himself. He was, uh, you know, super pumped for the team, um, showing a lot of maturity there. I liked that part. Uh, so who knows what he's going to be like, but probably one of those kids who's 18 years old and immediately gets to play in the NHL. So good for him. He did. He slowed his pace a little bit. Obviously, he had an incredible uh, tournament, racking up all sorts of points, but he did not beat uh Peter Forsberg's record in World Juniors when when he went off and, and absolutely dominated the entire tournament. So that's a wrap up of the World Juniors there. You know, a tough break for the USA, but glad to get a, at least a medal. Um, when you make it that far, you know, only one team goes home empty handed. Unfortunately, this year it was Sweden, but uh, glad that we at least got bronze and, and you know, it's something uh, for the performance that that Team USA put in. Just could not get over that Canada hump, and uh, in last Monday's episode, we t- or last uh, last week's episode, we talk about you know what happened, what transpired. So if you want to go back and review, we can. Uh, a couple called off goals, kind of a heartbreaker, but hopefully that fuels those guys' uh, fire, and uh, you know they're all going to go on and have pretty solid careers, I'm sure. Moving back to the NHL though, February fourth is the All Star Game. You know that just kind of stroking the best players in the league. Ovechkin, of course, got picked, and the league is opening uh, fan voting back up 
So for for every other you know slot for each division. So if you want to go vote, go ahead and do that on the app or on the NHL's website, NHL.com. Um, you know the All Star Game is just for fun. I really don't get in get too into it. Uh, I think it's just mostly kind of um, just pure entertainment. Uh, in some of years, some years it's more entertaining than others. Let's just say that this year. Uh, I did see that they've kicked around some weird, several weird events to try to make it special because it's in Florida, including golfing or shooting frozen burgers at alligators. Just someone, please just take away marketing from the NHL before they hurt themselves, please. Somebody, um, first of all, what the fuck? I mean, you can, can you imagine it now? Sidney Crosby losing a leg during an alligator uh, attack and then Ovechkin having to come in and absolutely just kill an alligator on live television with his bare hands to save, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby. Because I could see that. That's where my mind automatically goes when you hear this. Um, <clears throat> got just, what the hell? Frozen hamburgers? And then they talked about a dunk tank. Like, okay. That would be cool, like your high school prom event or homecoming or fucking spirit rally. That'd be great. But, uh, you know, what they should do is they should just have uh, fans pay to dunk, guys. Like, I would pay to throw my shitty, show my shitty throwing skills off and try to dunk Sidney Crosby or any other penguin. Uh, that would be fun. Um. So, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what cockamamie events they're going to be going off with but uh that's something that i saw on twitter and like i like i retweeted it couldn't couldn't tell if it was uh satire or reality but apparently it's somewhat of a reality at least it was mentioned by someone in power um fucking weird anyways let's move on to injuries i really don't have a lot of league news uh this week so some crazy uh, injury news that I, you know, I'm going to have to mention this, and I'm sure that if anybody's following the NHL, you know that this was coming. Blake Wheeler ruptured a testicle and played through it for the rest of the game on a game against, the, I believe, the Wild on December 15th, and he's already back. Uh, not only did he ha- sustain the injury blocking the shot, he played through it the rest of the game, you know, got it fixed up or whatever, and then returned ahead of schedule. Let's just say hockey players are as tough as balls. Give you a minute to laugh at that one. So crazy stuff, though. Either way, that sounds like a brutal injury that I don't think anybody deserves to take. Um, Anybody ever seen Mystery Alaska? What's his name? Skank Williams, who the guy that's like banging all the other people's wives Uh, in that movie, he ends up taking a slapper from a New York Ranger right between the legs. Yeah. That's, uh, I guess what it reminded me of aside from all of the affairs that Skank Williams had, but, um, <clears throat> crazy stuff. Also, Patty Kane's been out a couple of games, with a lower body injury, but should return, uh, to the, to the Chicago Blackhawks soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Capstone, that's really all the uh, league news that I have to talk about. So let me pay the bills and let's talk about why you're really here to discuss the Washington Capitals. The NFL playoff picture is locked in and my go-to place for wildcard 
Uh, round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 2,000 free bets or 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing, existing, remember, customers can get a no sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free backup up to $10. Action is so good. Why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? I see that the uh, the Commanders are playing upset to the Dallas Cowboys. That's always good to beat the Cowboys. So you know, good for them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. New customer bet five dollars on the NFL and get two hundred in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Caps fans, let's get into the Washington wraparound and talk us uh, talk about your very own Washington Capitals. All right. So let's throw it back all the way to the 5th of uh, three days ago to the 5th. Um, Columbus was our opponent. We went to Columbus. And played the Blue Jackets 7 p.m. It was a blowout win. 6-2 to two domination by the Washington Capitals. The first period was actually pretty sloppy, though. So if you look at the end result, you're looking at you know a pretty bad first period. And, and if you were to watch the first period, you would probably would have thought the Caps lost. Um, just bad, really sloppy, which results in a, a Johnny Gaudreau uh, goal. The Caps couldn't break out, but luckily... Darcy Kemper stood on his head and kept us in it. Then in the second, which has been the Washington Capitals' strongest period to this point in the season, the scoring opened up tremendously. Oshie's first goal back uh, from, from the IR list, and Nicholas Abe Kubel with his first of the season. Marginally less sloppy there at the beginning, uh, but still not great. Seven minutes left, a turnover in our zone goes right to a Columbus player for a knuckle puck slapper for a goal. Uh, both goalies were very, very solid up to this point. It was Merz Leakins and um, Darcy Kemper, uh, but more so Kemper, who really, like I said, had to stand on his head to, to keep us in this game. Strom eventually took a shot later in the period towards the end of it, and it was deflected up by the Columbus D and then off of Martin Favriari's dome, right off the bucket, and into the net. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember, but I believe it was Shaw, Andrew Shaw, uh, who played for the Blackhawks and actually at one point headered, you know, moved his head to bat a puck into the net. The refs immediately called it off, but because Martin Favriari was not facing the net and really was just kind of like the innocent bystander there, uh, he is not only the goal did not only count, but he got credit for it. So good for Marty, <laughs> just right place, right time. Right. Um, of, at this point, the game had really deteriorated into absolute chaos, but the caps eventually stopped fucking around the last minutes of the period and through some broken sticks and bodies. Hathaway was found in front and roofed it uh, with a great shot. So overall a four goal period, the caps up four two at this point <clears throat> in the third, the caps continue to pour it on. Uh, and it 
they they finally get it together and turn it into a gong show. Uh, Bayreuther appeared to score his second goal until Lavi challenged and got the goal called back to maintain the two-goal lead. Oshie then scored another on the power play for his second of the night. Looks like he's shook off the rust. And then Ovi scored on the power play late in the third to make the final score 6-2. to two. It's a really great showing. Um, I think the Caps obviously took a little bit of a break against a subpar team here in the Metro. Um, the points are super important to get, but Columbus is really no match for the Washington Capitals this night. Uh, overall, a decent showing. Came out with the win. Obviously, there's things that I'm sure the coaching staff would like us to tighten up here, especially in the neutral neutral and breakout zones. Um, when it comes to execution, you know, I, I hear that being harped on a lot. But really, that means to me, tape to tape passes and actually getting the puck to the proper people uh, in stride and with speed to break into the offensive zone with a with either odd man or at least re, uh, retain possession so that we can set up something for a scoring opportunity. Moving on to the very next day, again, you know, it's been a pretty brutal, long slog of, of games. Just a, so we've get some days of rest and then it's like, boom, three games and four nights Um which is really what we had this week. Uh, and on, on the 6th versus Nashville uh, at 7 p.m. ends up being a 3-2 loss. In the first, Novak opens up scoring as the Caps run the game's first goal. Again, you know, stop me if you heard that one before. Luckily, Sonny Milano in the right position on the power play scores to even it up. We've talked ad nauseum about Sonny Milano's benefit to this team and he shows it night in, night out. This is a guy who I feel uh, thinks that his NHL career is really teetering on the brink. Uh, he's been not even qualified by Anaheim, whom he thought he probably had a good spot there. Got a tryout with the Calgary Flames, who seem to be on the up, a, a possible Stanley Cup contender, at least out of Canada, by Canadian standards, if you will. And he gets cut right out of camp, so that's got to be a shock to him. And then he's kind of sitting around, but then he goes to waivers and the Washington Capitals pick him up and throw him immediately into the A to cut his teeth and get a conditioning stint. This season for Sonny Milano has really shown him mature as, as a player and as a person to young man here because he's really got to get it together or he may find himself not playing professional hockey at the highest level. And I know anybody who's ever been in the NHL, not only is it incredibly hard to get here, it's incredibly hard to stay here. So he's feeling that right now and he has done nothing but try to prove himself. And I wholeheartedly believe that he has proved himself. And I think that he is a great fit for this Washington Capitals team. I really hope to see him around in the future. Said that a million times. I'm going to keep saying it until it's a, until it's a reality. Still in the first, Preds get a lucky bounce as Trinan bats home a floater in front of the net off a rebound on Lindgren. This was, you know, Charlie had, couldn't do anything here. Um, the puck gets up, it gets batted out of air, spikes it off the ground or off the ice and right into the net. I mean, not much you could do there. It's really on the defense to be tying that guy up. But who's really thinking that he's going to be making that crazy hand-eye play, uh, batting a puck out of the net, just kind of right place, right time, pretty lucky on the bat, and then uh, gets in. So not a great period. 2-1 into the second. The Caps, uh, again, you know, coming out kind of slow, the natural predators doing their best to really they they had their game plan was just ruin everything the caps can do like 
throw a wrench into everything that Washington Capitals do by any means possible, whether that be, I don't know, flopping around in front of them, taking the body. But the, they did have a really a lot of success coming in and trying to bang and get the Caps off their game in the physical sense. I think the Caps, for the most part of this game, lost the physical battle and it wasn't even close. Um, you know, of course, we were trying to fight back, but coming off of back-to-back, only a few hours away in Columbus, but still, it's a back-to-back game. And, um, you know, the Preds also, I believe, were coming off of back-to-back. So no excuses there. Uh, the Capitals just an older, tired uh, core. And I think it showed here. So momentarily, though, in the second, the Caps do tilt the ice uh, when Nicholas Abe Cubell drives the middle and neutral zone, absolutely dangles Niederreiter out of his jock and goes five hole for a very noise goal, making up uh, for the four penalty minutes he took earlier in the game. The Caps were just bad in this middle frame, even though they outscored the Preds, which forced Lindgren to have to make some incredible saves to keep the Caps in it. At one point, he had to stop three or more shots in a row, ditch his stick, and freeze the puck from his back. I mean, some real Dominic Hasek-esque type uh, movements he was trying to make just to fight this off, where the Predators, again, use their dominant physical uh, style to get in front and, and really try to get as many chances on that live puck as possible. He also made, uh, Lindgren also made an incredible old school pad stack save, uh, which made me laugh and horny at the same time, to be honest. I mean, the play developed on the left side coming down onto Lindgren, uh, kind of a semi breakaway, but a breakaway nonetheless. And he just sells out completely the bottom of the net, gets his stick out, to, to bat the puck away. I mean, it was an incredible save and, and you often don't see goalies go into that type of save on a breakaway. Um, but at least not past the 1980s. So love to see it. Um, just a very interesting move and entertaining move from Charlie Lindgren there. So props, anything that you can do to get it, to keep it out of the net. Right. Uh, moving on to the third though, that was the last time the Caps got on the scoreboard uh, in the second as late in the third, fucking Ryan McDonough gets a dish from Johansson. It was a very good, it was a good play. You know, Johansson stop, gets stopped up. We're Ding him up at the blue line and he puts an area pass into play. Uh, just perfect pace uh, to McDonough who hit the blue line and didn't stop. Just absolute 100% sprint into the zone. Um, and he broke free. With a with a nice backhand and then and and then just went across crease uh, as I believe it was Connor Sheary trying to uh, trying to DM up. Now that is a that is a physical mismatch. I think McDonough probably has a foot and a hundred pounds on Sheary, so that's brutal. Uh, and you know Kuznetsov was hanging out there, kind of watching. Um, just a really quickly developing play in the last minutes of the third. So nice little goal from fucking Ryan McDonough, who I thought we were free from. I thought we would never have to hear that fucking name again, but uh, we've got Ryan McDonough who used to be with the Rangers for the longest time, uh, finishing the Washington Capitals uh, in, in pretty extraordinary fashion there at the end. Overall, this game the the caps were sloppy. That's their first regulation loss in forever. Um, falling down and shit all over the ice. I mean, I don't know if it, if you want to. Obviously, we've we've talked about this before in previous seasons, but 
it's well recorded that Capital One has the worst ice conditions in the entire league. That generally, when when the ice is bad, it generally benefits the less skilled team because you know they're not playing with the puck on their stick as much. They're trying to dump it in, get pucks deep, and bang bodies. Uh, so this is a perfect example. You know, I didn't hear anything specifically about how bad the ice was, but just knowing what we know about the ice at Capital One doesn't surprise me if if that was a contributing factor. Especially watching a lot of our guys just like fall down with no one around them. Just weird stuff. Um, just slop. Just really sloppy. Seemed like the Caps really couldn't keep up with the play as well. They were just reaching for a lot of pucks, not only reaching for passes that were a little a little in front of them, uh, just kind of reaching to try to you know get a 50-50 chance on a loose puck or a puck that they're trying to poke away. Um, you know, Barely poking pucks forward or progressing them forward out of our zone, which bit us in the ass a couple times. Uh, just failing to push the push the play forward was was really a uh, you know a kind of nail in the coffin for the Washington Capitals that night. They're also just committing a lot of turnovers. Again, when you're tired, the first thing that goes is your mental ability to like you know process information. Um, but so I felt like the Washington Capitals were making one some pretty bad decisions and also just like the the fine tuning of their passing when when they are on and they are playing well was completely missing this this night you can tell the boys played three games and four nights up to this point and we're on the last leg of a back-to-back it's also contributed to the predators ability to dominate the physical aspects of the game too so you know tough game uh overall the refs didn't help either uh they were they were pretty much poo-poo all game they just didn't call shit. And, you know, that's fine. It's fine you don't call anything as long as you literally don't call anything for the rest of the game. Just let everybody play and self let the players govern the govern the, the rules of the game. Um, often that doesn't resolve itself in a very peaceful or safe way, but it is one way <laughs> to officiate a game, I guess. Just come in, get your paycheck, and get the fuck out. Uh, any beer leaguer who's ever played knows that that vibe. The Granlin's cross Granlin's cross check on Orlov should have been automatic. He hits him from behind. He boards him. Uh, Orlov, you know, couldn't even get his hands up. He hit him so hard in from behind into the boards. He really kind of takes a header off the dashers behind the net. That's usually like an automatic cross check call. Um, luckily, Lynchpin, the Stanley Cup Lars Eller though was able to draw a late power play, though the Caps didn't score on it. So. You know, that was really the only late penalty that they, they they called. But if I were the Preds, I'd be fucking pissed too that they called that. Um, it was a pretty blatant interference call nonetheless, but so was the cross-check to Orlov. So, you know, at what point is the consistency there and, and what are the refs actually going to call? You never know. And that's part of playing hockey, I guess. Overall, I'd say this is a really tough loss. There's an opportunity for two points, and we got none out of it. Luckily, this team is in the West, so it wasn't a four-point swing. But still, you look at the standings right now, the Washington Capitals could have absolutely used those points. Even an OT loss would have been better, obviously, with the points. Um, I would have felt good with an OT loss here. And honestly, that's what I thought we were headed to. Um, until McDonough, you know, just put my put my thoughts to rest. 
Uh, I definitely underestimated the Predators. Uh, they made it apparent that they were here to bang and win, uh, even after coming off a game where they faced over 60 shots for a win against the Canes. They're a physical checking team, checking team, and as Alan May said, they play a really just ugly brand of hockey, and that's for sure. Um, they definitely showed that there is value of that physical kind of muck it up and get in the way of everybody, regardless of what's happening type of system. Um, I, again, it would have been great to see those two points. I last week was pushing for Nikki and Wilson to come back this night. And I'm very glad that the, the coaching staff, uh, felt that that was a, the, the wrong idea. And it definitely was with the amount of physical play that was happening. This was not the game. And then no flow. This is not the game for a, uh, person coming off LTIR, uh, two guys off major injuries, major surgeries to come back to. There's a lot of start, starting and stopping. The edges were definitely worn on every player's skates tonight. Uh, and, and on top of that, everybody was getting banged. So, not not the right night, and I'm glad that the coaching staff didn't listen to me because I'm sure that they listen to this this podcast religiously. Anyways, the last thing that I'll say about uh, this Predators game is Philip Forsberg. So that's enough of that. Let's move on. On the 8th, which is the night that I'm recording right now, on uh, Sunday, Columbus came to town after we visited them a few nights ago. Two nights ago, really. Uh, or, I'm sorry, it was a few nights ago, on the 5th. The Washington Capitals eke out a one nothing shutout victory. Now, that's great and to be expected. Honestly, probably should have blown them out. But here's why I think we didn't. Backstrom and Wilson came back this game. Much awaited, highly anticipated, so pumped to have them back. Um, and like I said, in hindsight, this is the right move to put him in this game, kind of a cupcake game, um, though I don't believe any team in the NHL is an actual cupcake. This was as close to in this time frame as we could get. You know, next week we've got two games against Philly. You know that with the Tortorella system, they're probably going to be much more physical than Columbus. But here it is. You know, we've got Columbus at home. Might as well bring him back in front of the home crowd to make room for this on the roster. Uh, the Caps wouldn't need to fit under Cap because they put John Carlson out on LTIR officially. The vibe on his injury is that he may not come back but, uh, until playoffs start. So we might be able to like you know fix the cap a little bit that way, but that seems like it's a very real possibility at this point. He may come back early, who knows. But as far as how his injury affects the here and now. If we put him on LTIR, I believe that the minimum amount of games that he's going to have to uh, miss are 10 and 24 actual days and that he'll be away from the team. So, you know, he's already got a few games under his belt another couple weeks and he could technically come back. But uh, after taking that nasty slap shot to the face and having such a crazy injury, it's probably a good thing that they do not rush him back, especially if he's having some sort of concussion issues. There's not been a lot of talk about what is actually ailing him right now. And if you've seen him, uh, pictures of him on Instagram, things like that, uh, whether they're recent or not, um, there doesn't seem to be like a major gash or anything or a lot of stitches on his face or in the ear region where he took that hit. 
there is absolutely a cut on John Carlson. There has to be. Uh, he was bleeding profusely. Um, I would. I could only expect that you know several several stitches, if not you know dozens of stitches, were needed to patch him up. He also went to the hospital the night he sustained the injury, just for you know an abundance of caution to make sure he gets checked out. So, you know, you you we obviously hope that he comes back soon. Um, Gustafson's been doing a stellar job in his place, but we want him to be 100%, 110% as he, if he comes back uh, in time. So that was the first move to clear cap space. And that's the only move that was needed for the Washington Capitals to get Backstrom and Wilson back money-wise, so cap-wise. So we're talking about a couple different things here. Cap-wise, that was the only thing that they needed to do. The Capitals, though, still needed to fit on that 23-man roster. They needed to send two players away to replace the two players that are coming in. The Caps sent Protus down without penalty as he's on an early entry-level contract or an ELC. Uh, he's already scored two assists in Hershey tonight. It seems like a really good thing. Like, good for him. Protus has had a stellar season with the Washington Capitals, fitting in very nicely with that fourth line, uh, filling in for guys who, who have been out. I suspect that he is a very strong candidate to make the team out of camp next year. And he has potential to be called up again this year after some time has passed. I'm not exactly sure on the details of that, but I do believe that he still has the ability to come back up if the Caps need him based upon injury or trade deadline or whatever it may be. So again, that's no penalty there. Joe Snively was then waived. And he actually made it. He cleared waivers. He was waived yesterday, cleared waivers. So he's through um, and he should be, or I'm sorry, he was, he was waived today and immediately cleared waivers. Nobody wanted to take a shot at him because honestly, they haven't really seen him. So some really good uh, personnel management by the team there to kind of hide him away for this exact reason, especially recently, instead showcasing kind of Abe Kubel. So they made it through here. Snively made it through and he's going to be with Hershey as well. Um, so those are the two personnel moves, excuse me, that needed to be done to get the roster compliant. Now there were further mixing and matching of lines. So as the game started, Strom was bumped to wing and Nicholas Abekubel and Mantha were scratched, healthy scratched. I like this move. I think Mantha has been inconsistent at worst uh, and good at best here with the Washington Capitals through his time. Um, he's always struggled with consistency, but the guy is a is billed as a top six sniper. Uh, I don't think he's really and, – and at times we could see it, but – in reality, over the games he's played, uh, he's a little too streaky. Uh, and right now, he's not streaking in the right direction. Uh, so we're, we, we put him on the box, the press box. So I think that's the right move. So all in all, Brian McClellan wizardry continues. The organization's wizardry really continues. The Caps made these roster adjustments completely unscathed. They didn't have to permanently give up an asset, um, and they didn't have to permanently waive anyone and lose an actual asset. So they lost no players, but were able to put guys back down in the minors, and they they lost nothing. They gained nothing except for the two players off of uh, LTIR, which they already had uh, in the stable, 
But as far as like a rostered player that had to go to another team for, you know, some low pick or even a pick at all or, or another player to come back, whatever would have been done, um, like a prospect, whatever, that didn't happen. So A plus marks for this. I think there's been a lot of buzz about Lars Eller being the odd man out here. So let me just like say something about the dumbasses on Twitter saying this should have this should, the Caps should have moved Eller. Fucking idiots, okay? In this situation especially. First off, we would have had to either trade him or waive him, right? So Lars Eller is, you know, he's doing pretty damn well this season. He's a pro- proven NHL center. He really slots in well with that third line, I think. And he's the second high scorer, scoring Dane, <coughs> excuse me, of all time. Or we could have waived him and got nothing and then sent a multi-million player down to Hershey at best. If not, we would have had to let him go for no assets in return. Both of these options don't help us really today at all. In fact, it would have been a much worse alternative to what we did. And we would have had to find a suitor for a trade in no time. So we would have had a couple days, you know, we, okay, Backstrom and, and Wilson are back. Maybe we had had a week to find a suitor to take this trade. But the problem with that is that we would have, no no team's going to take that trade because they already, you know, if the Caps show their hand and start chopping Lars Eller, you're like, you got two guys coming back off LTIR. He's going to be on the waiver wire if you truly do think that that's the guy that you want to move. Obviously, I'm sure Brian McClellan is in talks all the time with teams who are poking around and maybe he's talking about shopping guys or whatever in kind of informal conversations. That's just the life of a GM, I'm sure, wheeling and dealing every second of the day. But when you look at at the sense of urgency in which this movement had to be done, Trading or waving Lars Eller is a dumbass idea. It's the dumbest thing you could have done. Um, because, like I said, if the other teams who we were talking to about a trade about with Lars Eller realized that the Washington Capitals had chosen him as the odd man out, all they'd have to do is wait to get him for free off the waiver wire. And that just isn't an order. So the waiver wire... There's, a, there's an order in which teams get presented the waiver wire and then they can say yes or no. Like they did with Snively, they all said no. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't understand that logic of, oh, you can just trade Eller. Like, first of all, let's use your logic. You hate Eller. You don't think he's an NHL player. You don't think he's worth it, right? The Caps didn't have zero L- leverage to trade him. Uh, using that completely wrong logic that Lars Eller is, is not worth it and should be traded, uh, if he was so bad, why would any other team court him as a trade target they they would have to give up assets to make it work and again we go back to they could just get him for free off the waiver wire just turn your fucking brains on people do some goddamn research as to how the nhl fucking works and then open your fucking mouth that's all that's all i'm asking you know just real just google there's a great website it's called google that'll help you out also i love arzeller so okay anyways nick backstrom Tom Wilson, they're back. In the first period, the very first shift at home, Lavi does a good guy thing, puts Ovi, Backstrom, and Wilson out to start the game, got a standing ovation, fuck yeah, the boys are buzzing. And in the first about 10, 5, 10 minutes of this game, I thought the guys had a ton of jam and they were just whipping the puck around. Uh, They felt really good. Um, 
they ended up, uh, but but obviously this is a low scoring game because again you have basically you know we don't want to talk about lines in the blender at least in the past when when Laviolette has put lines in the blender the centers stay the same and then wingers get switched up and down. In this case, we've got Strom not playing center anymore, um, you know, which is brutal I, for him, you know. But he's the guy with the least seniority, and we have our we have our centers there. You're not going to put Nick Backstrom on a wing, okay? So there it is. Um, but I thought the boys were buzzing in the first. It only paid off once though for Gustafson, who really just threw the puck at the net and it went off of Columbus D-man's foot and five hole on Ms. Lurkins. Thank God, because that's what we needed to win the game. But the Caps had a couple more chances in, in this game, including a post and some loose pucks in front. But Ms. Lurkins did a good job, and the Columbus defense did a great job of, of keeping the puck out. Uh, the best chance for Columbus came off a breakaway as Myers hit both posts, and the puck stayed out. There were no other goals this game, and Kemper ended up having to take – or had to make 37 stops. That's uh, a very solid and well-earned shutout which is his fourth of the season, and I believe leads the league up to this point. Very, very well deserved. Congrats to Kemper. He really saved our ass on this one and made the return of Backstrom and St. Thomas a win. Let's talk about Wilson and Backstrom. Both looked pretty goddamn good after coming off major surgeries, right? Um, in the post-game conference they talked about, or interviews in the locker room, Backstrom talked about the conditioning. Um you know, of course, they've been skating with the team and, and NHL practices are grueling and very high paced, uh, but nothing can replicate the NHL game speed, right? So this is where, you know, all of your practice, you hope you get all these reps and then muscle memory takes over and you're just skating your ass off for 45 seconds and then you're sitting and then you're back out there. Um I believe both players got around 14, 15 minutes of ice time. That's really good. Saw Backstrom a little bit on the power play. Uh, both players' stride looks decent. They look like they're skating. Um, they did say that the conditioning and the hands need a little work for both of them, which is to be expected after being on the shelf for months. Uh, so, you know, that they all look good. And then and the post game, they said that they felt good. They felt normal. Obviously, the conditioning needs to, to be upped and they need to find their wind. Uh, not so much that like they're out of shape, but they need to acclimate their bodies back to like going balls to the wall for 45 seconds, sitting for a couple minutes, and then doing it again for 60 minutes, right? Uh, in that cycle. Uh, that is definitely something that takes a lot of time to figure out or it takes some time, a couple games to figure out. Uh, it's not just done in one game. So really very normal. You know, this, these guys look good. They came back at the right time and they're, um, they performed as expected. You know, I didn't, I would have loved to see one of them get an assist or a goal, but that didn't happen. But the team still walked away with a win. So they're happy with that. All smiles post-game. Um, they felt good. Backstrom said he was nervous. He said he had a little interaction with his son who was like, hey, you playing today? Uh, and back, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play. And he's like, are you nervous? <laughs> and and Backstrom was like, yeah, I'm nervous. And then his kid's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, anybody who has kids, I'm sure that you'll you'll understand that um, that interaction. But great to see. Nonetheless, the nerves will eventually subside. Obviously, there's normal 
nervousness that comes with playing in the best league of hockey in the world every game, I'm sure. But as far as, you know, the return, it's done now. Time to look forward. And I think that these guys are going to come back and contribute in major ways to this team. Um, <clears throat> you know, I liken this game to the first couple games when Strom and Milano and Brown were in, even though Brown got injured like immediately. But Strom and Milano especially, you had a brand new center kind of coming in, trying to mix things up, and things were a little sloppy and disjointed. Um and Milano as well kind of had to get a couple games under his belt before he started racking up points. Uh, essentially, the Washington Capitals are, for half of their roster, a brand new team, right? We've got a top six winger in Wilson who's come in and, you know, throwing the vibe off. You've got a top six, top two, top three center. Uh, on this team coming in and and getting lines kind of mixed and matched around him. And then you have a center who's been forming very well in Strom getting bumped out to wing. Now, there's players like Marcus Johansson who really needed that to happen. And then there's players like Strom who've been vocal about saying that he feels better in his past career, that is, uh, you know, that he feels better about being in the center position. Um, unfortunately... I don't think he's going to have that. Uh, who knows what trade deadline brings. Lars Eller could still be moved for all you fucking hardos on that shit. Uh, you know, we could bring in a defenseman. We could bring in something on the deadline that puts Strom back into the middle. Uh, we could move out a center. Who knows? Um, but as of right now, as the team looks, Strom is basically planted on that wing position, that left wing position. Um I don't think he had a terrible game, but again, with all these, it's it's basically an entire line that is brand new to the team, and I think the Washington Capitals showed it tonight. Um, overall, though, this should be considered a, a pretty good win, right? The Backstrom Wilson were throwing the body out there; they're definitely in the mix. They're getting involved. Wilson had six hits, and Backy had three. Really positive signs. They fell down a couple times, got right back up, felt normal, no pain. Both, uh, reported by both of them. I'm sure they're going to be a little muscle sore tomorrow. But other than that, you know, really good stuff. And, you know, let's just talk about the little plays that Nick Backstrom adds to this team. Um, you know, he is, you know, I think that the biggest thing that, you know, you look at Nick Lidstrom, a legend for the, the Red Wings. They're just like, the dude just doesn't make mistakes, just plays error-free hockey, which at the end of the day, if every player in the NHL could play error-free hockey, they'd all be Hall of Famers, right? So, you know, you look at some of the plays and, and you can watch Nick Backstrom read the plays and check down his list of options. And he just always seems to choose the right option. It may not be the sexiest or the best, but uh, uh, best looking to get you in a scoring position right now, but it's the safest, best play. Like he just is so smart and and really great. Um uh, in that aspect of the game. And now that he can be mobile is just going to make his game skyrocket back through the roof. I feel like Nick Backstrom has just gained five years on his career uh, with this hip resurfacing injury. If he can continue to stay unhurt and, and healthy Nick Backstrom though, on the power play did have an incredible dish to Ovechkin um, who ended up getting stuffed glove by, uh, by Ms. Lurkins. But 
That is a pass that you don't often see anymore without Nick Backstrom. Caps fans are spoiled. We've seen it a lot. Uh, Nick Backstrom passing through two dudes with just flat sauce that's perfectly gapped to lay right on the ice as soon as Ovi lets a one-timer go or, or right to whoever's shooting. Um, that is still there, folks. Like This is what we are going to see from Nicholas Backstrom if he can stay healthy. And he's also going to be able to, to move and be much more of a defensively uh, responsible player. Um, so all good things. I, I love it. I think that they, they played really well. Um, a plus marks cannot wait to play this next week or two and see, you know, what the final form of Backstrom and Wilson being back and what this team looks like with these two juggernauts back in the lineup. Great stuff. The last thing I want to talk about is Sonny Milano. Again, just one thing real quick. I thought he showed a lot of jam. He was back-checking hard this game. He really was hustling around and showing that he deserves to be in this lineup, which he absolutely does. So, And honestly, I really don't think the Washington Capitals can afford to not have him in here because he's so cheap. So depending on what happens on trade deadline, you know, I would hate to see Sonny Milano get, get shipped off. I think he's a really good match here, but and he's young. You know, so, you know, who knows? Trade deadline's in March, early March. I think it's the third. So, obviously, we'll be keeping a very close eye on that. But I think I've beat this horse, uh, this dead horse enough. So happy to have Baxter and Wilson back. Amazing time. Next week, we've got uh, – oh, my prediction. I said we'd go 3-0. and We dropped one in Nashville, um, you know. I guess, you know, I'm not going to say I was wrong because we did, uh, I think, I don't know, win in certain aspects in that game. I don't know. I'm just reaching here. I'm hurting myself stretching for this one. But we do have Philly back-to-back three days apart, though. So it's a home-and-home series. We're going to be at Philly on the 11th at 7 p.m. and then at home against Philly on the 14th. Plenty of time for our injury, like for Nick and, and Wilson to kind of understand what the game is like now get back in the flow of practice and then have a couple games with days in between to rest and, and get back in it against a team that's really kind of outside looking in, you know, I guess Philly could go on like a 15 game winning streak and then make it into the playoffs, but I highly doubt it. I also believe that this is going to be a physical little fit physical. I'm sure emotions are going to run high here in these two games. Uh, and uh, Tortorella is going to play that staunch defensive game blocking shots. So, they're going to do as much as they can to frustrate the Washington Capitals, but I still think that the Capitals are going to come out of next week with a 2-0, two more, four more points in the standings. Uh, and, and again, these are, these are important points to take right now. So that's my prediction. Until next week, Caps fans, or until Thursday, I'm sorry, tune into my uh, interview with Griffin Youngs from the Taldaz. It is podcast on the Washington, or I mean on the Hockey Podcast Network. It's a good interview. We cut it up. And uh, until Thursday, Hockey Trail, signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Trail podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. 
every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore. <laughs>